This is Off the Record, the weekly KOTO public affairs show that offers you, the listener, an opportunity to hear in-depth conversations on community topics and issues that matter. As always, you are encouraged to join the conversation by calling 728-4333. Now here's your host. Good evening, KOTO listeners. You are tuned in to Off the Record. I am your host, Julia Caulfield, and I am joined in studio with three very distinguished guests. We're talking, lo- we're talking local policing today. I'm joined by Mountain Village Chief of Police, Chris Brody, San Miguel County Sheriff, Bill Masters, and Telluride Chief Marshal, Josh Compt. Thank you all so much for being here this evening. Thanks for having us. As a reminder to listeners, this is a call-in program, and so if you have a question or comment for any of these folks, please give us a call, 970-728-4333. Y'all three have been on before to have conversations similar to this um, in the past, and I know we've always asked you the question as, how did you get into this business? How did you get to Telluride, San Miguel County, Mountain Village? And so I'm going to pose that question to you again this evening, but I would love to focus more on after getting into this line of work, what was it that drew you to these communities, these small areas of Southwest Colorado um, for, for the place that you choose to do your work? And Chief Brady, we're going to start with you because you're first. Sure. Um, so I got into law enforcement um, kind of a roundabout way. I actually went to college for commercial photography. And when I saw the work that my colleagues were doing in the studio, I realized I would never make a living at that. Um, and so I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I finally, at Colorado Mountain College in Glenwood, they have a law enforcement academy. And I decided to go through that and do law enforcement until I decided what I wanted to do when I grew up. And that was 30-some years ago. So I've been doing it ever since, and I haven't had to figure out what I want to do yet. So um, as far as getting to Mountain Village Telluride area, a former lieutenant that I worked for in Grand County up by Winter Park had moved down here and was chief for several years, and he recruited me as deputy chief in 2000. And then when he retired in 2010, I was appointed chief of police for Mountain Village. So... Um, I've been here that long. My family grew up here. They all moved away, went to college, and all have come back. So my family's here, and I feel very fortunate for that. So, Yeah. Sheriff Masters, we'll go to you. You know, it was a long time ago, and I often say I remember the first day I was a peace officer here, and most of today, and the rest of it's kind of a blur. It's been almost 50 years. It's been, uh, it'll be 40 it's 48 years right now, and um, I came here, I, I um, was going to school in Flagstaff, Arizona, I came up here skiing a few times, and I was majoring in criminal justice, and decided to come up here to just go skiing rather than going back to LA, LA where I was from, and um, uh, just by accident, I was working on the ski area, we were building uh, the coonskin lift, uh, after um, after the winter season, and the town, my card broken down. The town marshal, the time man by the name of Jim Hall, picked me up. I was hitchhiking out of town, and uh, he, I told him I had a degree in criminal justice, and he says I need a deputy right now, and so, you know, come and work, work for me. And I, I was really reluctant to because I was kind of having a good time. I, d- I didn't really want to be known suddenly as the you know, the Barney, because there were two two marshals in the time. And uh, so without any police academy training or anything else, I was put on the street with uh, uh, Jim, and he had to leave immediately to go out of town to help his father, and suddenly I was the marshal. And um, so I, I held Jim's job for uh, a number of years. I, I was also the... the Chief of Police in the Mountain Village for a short period of time, when they they were uh, they were without one and they, they wanted me to help out, and then very shortly after that, uh, maybe three years, uh, the um, sheriff offered me the under sheriff job, which wasn't a whole lot. There were only three of us in the sheriff's office, including the sheriff, and then uh, he almost immediately resigned to become a county commissioner, and so the county commissioners appointed me sheriff. I was 27. I looked like I was 14, and um, and the rest, everybody just kept on voting for me, so I'm still here. 
we do have a folks who have come to record at Coda will know that we have a an early campaign poster it, of yours. That is a pretty early one and down there. It doesn't have a, a date on it. So we I were always think trying it's, to like it's 1980. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I look like a pudgy little kid there, oh, don't I? Yeah. It's it's a precious photo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Chief Compt, what about you? Um, just like a lot of people, I went to college at uh, Boise State University, not really knowing what I wanted to get into. Um, thought I was going to go the law school route for a while and quickly realized it wasn't the direction I wanted to go. I started taking some criminal justice classes and kind of fell in love with it. So um, having played team sports most of my life and in college, kind of started gravitating towards law enforcement just because of the camaraderie that comes with the job. Um, after college, ended up going back to Orange County, California, and getting hired with uh, the Newport Beach Police Department there, where I spent about 15 years. Um, as far as Telluride, my family and I have been coming out here since 1985, so we used to spend all of our time out here, summers, winters, all vacations. I used to do all the Telluride academies until I aged out, um, so we were always looking for a reason to kind of come back to Telluride. The, the position opened up for Chief Marshall and kind of threw my name in the hat, figuring what the heck, and here we are. So. What was your fir- or was your favorite Telluride Academy camp that you participated in? Oh, man, they were incredible. The ones that stick out, I don't know if because they were just grueling or what, but we did like a seven or eight day hike in from Rico one time when I was maybe like 11 or 12 and then followed that up the next year with a month-long backpacking trip in Alaska. So, I mean, just incredible experiences that, you know, you can only get here in Telluride and at least through the Telluride Academy. So it was always, always kind of had a special place in my heart and we we're always looking for a reason to come back and things worked out yeah what is from y'all's perspective having worked in you know different size cities or different um size departments what is different or um special maybe about working in doing your job in communities like these that are so small and so remote put that to anybody who wants to start I'll take that one. I mean, uh, the buzzword in, in law enforcement, uh, community policing, you hear that quite a bit. Um, you know, coming from a, a, a bigger city in Orange County to a smaller community in right? like, you really have the ability to implement community policing. So, you know, you really have the ability to get out, handle foot patrols, you know, get to interact with your community and kind of help find those, those common problems or solutions to common problems. So, you know, we get to know our business owners, we get to know our residents, and you know, we get to interact with the students more often, whereas in bigger cities, you don't necessarily have that impact. Um, it may be more isolated to a smaller area that you work, but not necessarily citywide. Um, so working in a small community, you really have that ability to build up those, those positive relationships, which help in the long run, you know, help preventing crime, solving crime. Um, so it's, that's what I think is kind of unique about, about working here. Yeah, my whole career has kind of been on the western slope of Colorado in small towns, um, small communities, and that's just what I enjoy. I, just because of where I've grown up and lived, I can't imagine that big city experience. Um, like Josh said, when community policing kind of became the buzzword, it took me a long time to figure out what they were talking about because that's kind of what small towns always did. So, um, that, And that's what I really like about Mountain Village Telluride is, is it is a community. Um, we do get to know our citizens, our businesses, even some of our tourists that are repeat tourists we get to know quite well. And, and that's what I really enjoy is, is that small town community feeling. So. Yeah, I think it enables us to um, act as peace officers as opposed to law enforcement officers, kind of a pet peeve of mine. We're not licensed law enforcement officers. None of us are. We're licensed by the state of Colorado to be peace officers. And somewhere along the line, we've lost this, uh, lost ourselves and now call our, our peace officer academies law enforcement academies. Well, there's 30,000 laws in the state of Colorado. And I think enforcing the law, of course, enforce is the Latin word meaning to use force. Um, we don't, you know, that's somewhere way down on our list because there's just so many laws that we can't do that. So most of the time, I think all three of us are problem solvers, uh, are community problem solvers, and we do everything we can to maybe uphold a sense of, uh, uh, of order and, and um, and keeping the peace uh, the best we can without necessarily applying the law in every circumstance. And I think small towns gives you the ability to do that. Yeah, I mean, you just touched on it, and and Chiefs, you both touched on it as well. The the idea of community policing, it is something that we hear a lot about kind of in a national conversation. And and you just maybe explained it a little bit, but like when when you think of the word community policing, what does that mean to each of you? 
I think just what the sheriff said is more problem solving. Um, you know, and, and, and sometimes that solving that problem may be that they go to jail for the night, um, but we're not the judge or the jury. We're just solving that problem right then. Um, it does get to be that you're helping out your friends and your neighbors, and I think that takes a different aspect of that to, to know the people that you're helping. And I guess that's how, how I've always viewed my career is, is helping people and solving that problem. So. Yeah, that's what community and and you know we we could have written a book. All three of us could have written a book on on community policing. Um, and you know, I remember they were describing it when it came out as a concept maybe 30 years ago or something. And I was going like, oh yeah, this is a big shock, you know, because you know that's what everybody in the rural communities already not necessarily through their you know through something great revelation that i had it was just it was forced on you you, you really don't have any other choice but to, to to be a member of the community and try to try to solve the problems because that's just the nature of it in, in, in a small community yeah and just to reiterate what they say i mean it's just kind of solving those common problems with your community right so again just working with everybody within the community to kind of find what the solution is to that problem yeah. We're kind of nearing, I hate to say it, nearing the end of summer, maybe. Um, and so I know all of your jurisdictions have been busy over, over the past few months and, and the year. Um, I would love to have just brief updates on anything that is um, maybe new or happening, how the summer has gone, gone for each of your departments. I, sure, I can start. <laughs> I'm just staring at each yeah, other. Yeah. Trying try to be patient. We'll, we'll with just sit in first. silence yeah, for the rest yeah. of the hour while you try and figure out who's going to go first. Um, I, yeah, I think I think this summer's been really interesting. I was talking to somebody the other day, and you know, when when winter doesn't really end until after bluegrass, um, that kind of really shortens the summer, and it seems like we went from snow and winter and bluegrass, and then all of a sudden we were in the hot season at the end of July and. And we had three days of monsoon season, and we were done with that. So um, it just seems like it's been a really truncated summer. Um, it, you know, for, for Mountain Village, we've had all our events, and, and they've all been very, very well attended, and we haven't really had any big issues. Um, you know, the sunset concerts and the movie on the green, uh, the movies under the stars and all those really neat events that we're having up there now are, are getting more and more popular with a lot of people. So, um, but, but again, it hasn't really, really been any huge issues. Um, just the normal things we all deal with and, and resolve that. It seems like some of the people got a little anxious during the heat spell and we had more calls for service during that time, but it seems like it's calmed back down now. And um, like I say, it just seems like it's been a, a truncated summer for us. So. I, I think it's been, a, it's been a good summer. It has uh, the crowds, uh, like the chief said, have really been um, really uh, respectful of our community and the norms we have here and, and so we haven't had a, um, a lot of people being brought into the jail by either agency and that's kind of my barom barometer is like how many people are we getting booked in every day uh, that are really messing up enough that they have to go to jail and uh, so that it hasn't been really uh, very busy this summer and I'm not really sure what's gone on we don't have quite the number of, of uh, uh, homeless people and and the, uh, the issues that, that uh, sometimes follows them around um, and uh, the number one thing that we've had a tremendous amount of complaints on is just the increased volume of traffic and people's poor driving behavior on our highways and, and um, that's going to be a continuing challenge for us you know, in the old days when there was no traffic here we had three state patrolmen assigned to the to our area to patrol the highways and now we have none so um and we have the volume of traffic is, is you know, maybe 20 30 times what it what it used to be and so that that's a problem on our, our narrow roads and and uh, uh a challenge for the sheriff's office to get a handle on that yeah here in tyride summer seemed kind of consistent with the last last year at least kind of coming out of covid it seems like the crowds are back um for the most part been pretty well behaved you know obviously some traffic issues there's we're always going to have traffic issues and parking issues here in town with increased increased crowds um our festivals have all gone really well really smooth so i'm really proud of how that's all come out i mean obviously the the biggest hiccups have just been the weather at the festivals but other than that everyone's been 
behaving themselves, having a great time. Um, so yeah, this kind of seems to be somewhat of a normal summer so far. Nice. Uh, Koto listeners, you were tuned in to Off the Record. We were talking uh, local policing, community policing with the heads of each of our uh, departments in San Miguel County. With that said, it, we, uh, we've said it before, it's a small county, small communities, and we know that all of y'all are working together, your departments, your folk are working together um, all the time. Can you just talk a little bit about what does that look like? How do you um, collaborate, interact with each other, and you know, help each other out in these, when situations may arise? Yeah, we, because we're all so small, we have to rely on the support of each agency. Um, you know, and that starts with, with training. We try to train together and have regional trainings. Last year we started doing some active shooter training where all three of our agencies in the fire department all got together and started working through working through some of that. Um, so we continu- continuously train. Um, oftentimes we'll have maybe one officer working in, in the town's area I do with staffing issues or Mountain Village, and uh, we'll rely on each other to support an officer, depending on what the type of call is. Sheriffs will also come in and support us as well. Um, so we have to rely on each other for for that backup and for that support. But I mean, the three of us probably talk at least weekly, you know, about issues that we're facing and additional training opportunities, and kind of pick each other's brains. And I know our all of our, our staff talk quite a bit. So there's there's a very good working relationship between the three departments, in my opinion. You know, it, it seems like the way. Uh we steal employees from each other. They've all worked for us <laughs> at some point in time, and, and then they go back and forth and work for them again. You know, so uh, it's kind of, um, uh, and that's something I'd like to get a handle on. I'd like to have, be able to uh, have a pool of, of people that that, uh, that are all trained similarly, follow similar policies and procedures, so that that if uh, we we could we could. Uh, look at them more holistically as a group and so if a mountain village officer shows up to a county call we we know that 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 person is going to act in in a manner that is consistent with with, uh, as a deputy sheriff would and the same thing goes with the deputy sheriff comes into the town of telluride or the mountain village that that we hope that that they he would act in, in a manner similar to what what they would do and judge in that particular circumstance. So uh, training together helps with that. And uh, I, I hope we can also do some kind of recruiting system in the future that we can uh, help our staffing situation. Yeah. We have a call coming in, so I'm gonna have you pop some headphones on. Hi, you're live Hello. on Kodo. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, this isn't my question, but one of those officers uh, that has worked for all of your departments is uh, Grant Markwell, who is the husband of the current county attorney, uh, uh, probably a political refugee out of political training, uh, uh, out of Colorado Springs, for whatever reason. I know you can't comment on it, but I will just uh, uh, mention that name as uh, somebody who is no longer working for either of the three of you, although... Uh, 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 Amy Markwell does uh, remain as county attorney. Uh, going briefly to the subject of community policing, you know, I'm 60 years old. I think I've seen the full scope of it from, like, the Serpico and the Shaft in the 60s, excuse me, in the 70s, um, up through the 90s. Um, and in my eye, that ended. Um, I was in Seattle at the time. That ended in 1999 with the WTO protest, um, which received international publicity. The police chief at that time was Norm Stamper, formerly out of San Diego, who has made, um, who had made a very good name for himself in his community policing efforts. Um, and he was driven out of office for not arresting the peaceful protesters, um, 1999. And that continued with Bush salently uh, locally, uh, four service uh, law enforcement officers were sent to Langley for terrorism training um, and uh, you know, start of a practice of harassing uh, dispersed campers. Um, so I have a somewhat personal question. I'm bringing this up here in the air, but there have been repeated accusations of 
inappropriate behavior on my part for standing up for myself, exercising my right to defend myself, and for making accusations with evidence against uh, people who are uh, profiting off of failing to meet community responsibilities. And I'd just like to ask each of the three of you if you have seen anything that provides any ground to those uh, uh, statements coming out of all three jurisdictions. Um, and uh, if there's anything more than just an attempt to um, defame somebody in a serious manner who has health issues um, by these three bodies. Thank you. Thanks for your question. Would any of you like to comment or respond? I, I have no idea what that gentleman's talking about. So, I, I, um, it, Maybe if I knew his name, I'd figure it out, but I, I, can't, I have no idea what he's talking about. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly what the question was asking. Um, I think one thing that kind of came in there that, that I do want to touch on a little bit that, that can get be frustrating is that when a bad actor does a bad act, the entire law enforcement profession gets drugged through the mud on that. And, and that's unfortunate, and, and we don't want anybody to be a bad actor in law enforcement or any, any other career. Um, but I know it, it gets very frustrating for, for all of our staff when when something on the national scene happens and, and it kind of trickles down to this lower level where we, we do have just upstanding and, and amazing officers that that are in no way the same as that bad actor or bad situation that happened. So. You know, I think on that note, you know, across the country over the past several years, there has been a lot of um, conversation, maybe negative feelings towards law enforcement in general. And I would love to hear how y'all think about that. To your point, you know, there are bad actors in any any profession and, and you don't want that. And maybe there's going to be potentially larger consequences in a law enforcement capacity. But then you also need good people to be in those spaces for that sort of thing not to happen. How do you think about that in terms of the work and, and how you lead your departments or your agencies? And, and how does that work then in, in who you're trying to bring into these positions? And I, I think a lot of it goes back to like the sheriff was talking about with, with the policy setting initially of what the expectations are of, of all of our officers. Um, we're all very similar in, in how we respond to, to situations. And then I think the next biggest thing is just that training piece. Um, and all three of our agencies are very active in training and training the right way to deal with things and training how to de-escalate situations um, and, and just how to respond to those things. So I, I think those are some of the ways you can start that, um, at least for my department. Um, actually, I just hired two officers who live in the community, sent them to the academy um, up in Delta, and, and they're, they're in training right now. But I think that's part of it, to Bill's point, of us circulating our officers through all the different agencies i finally come to the realization where we are losing cops for several different reasons and it's up to us now to build that next generation of, of people who want to be in this job and in this career and i think that's i mean we're all have at one point worked short and long hours to make sure we get the right person for our community yeah, it, it, it's really uh, it's really difficult, and it's certainly issues that keep me up at night. Um, you know, how, how is a like a new officer going to react? And did we recruit that person correctly? Did we train them correctly? And um, it's always difficult. But we also got to remember we're putting our officers these days in really impossible situations, and part of it is our own fault. You know, and every time a, a, a problem arose, we would raise our hand and say, oh, we can deal with that. So, you know, if, if there's if heroin's a problem, we go, oh, yeah, we'll take care of that. If meth's a problem, we'll, we'll take care of that. If cocaine's a problem, we'll take care of that. We can't take care of that. And, and, and you know, somewhere along the line, we should say, that's, that's not the role of a peace officer. You know, we, we should be, be uh, calling that a medical problem and, and, and having other professionals deal with those kinds of issues rather than us. And, and we also have to look at, at the, you know, we write on the side of our cars, you know, just call 911, call 911, call 911. Well, maybe don't call 911. Let, let's kind of figure that out. And we look at some of the terrible things that have happened. They're usually happening over really minor incidents. Uh, you know, if somebody robbed a bank and shot a bunch of people and, and then 
the police come and use violence to apprehend that person, most people don't care. But if the person steals $20 or tries to pass a phony $20 bill and the shop owner calls 911 and expects the police officer to do something about it and the guy <laughs> is high on drugs and you're trying to control him, bad things are going to happen as opposed to the, sh the shop owner just going like, get out of here, get out of here with your funny money and, and, and stay out of here. You know, that would that would have solved so many things. Another person was killed in New York over selling um, cigarettes without paying the tax. And you know, the police eventually you know, resisted arrest, and then the, the police have to use more violence to get him um, arrested and, over this minor charge and end up killing him and choking him to death. And, and we, we, we shouldn't even be sending people armed law enforcement officer to a, a, a um, incident that involves not paying taxes on cigarettes. I mean, that's, that's, that's a waste, waste of resources. So we, we have to look at what, what is the true public's expectation of us, and, and then what can we really solve? And um, if we have to enforce the law to solve it, then maybe we made a, made a mistake on, on, on how that law was even passed and brought into fruition. Maybe there was something else that could have been done. It wasn't one of the top ten laws that that we should be be looking after. And so that's that's a problem that that the whole whole country needs to look at and go like, what is our true expectations of peace officers? And are we passing too many laws? And I would say, yeah, we have too many laws, and we should change our expectations of what we want peace officers to be doing. And they certainly don't want to be enforcing 30,000 laws that are currently on the books of the state of Colorado and the 400 traffic violations that you commit while driving your car. What could they possibly be? There are 400 of them. And, and you know, it's, it's insanity that we have so many laws and, and then expect us to go and use force to, to make people obey them. So if you see that as maybe a, a countrywide... Um, systemic issue of how we're framing this. Do you feel like there's a way that then we can, at least on the local level, address that to work better for our communities specifically here? Or well, is it just like, well, we have to do it as a country, and so there's nothing we can do locally? I, I, I think uh, um, I really don't have a governing board, but I, I know the chiefs do, and they, they so I, I, I think they have reasonable governing boards. They don't expect I think every one of your laws to be enforced, and uh, of e either one of you that they don't they don't want that kind of thing. So that to a degree, they set they set that that um, um, sense, I guess, uh, of what they want their peace officers to be doing. And and uh, in the county, we we try to do the same thing, so that um, uh, you know, we we are not uh, being. Hopefully, we won't be involved in those kinds of incidents that are are making the, the national news. Um, I, you know, but once again, that's what keeps me up late at night, thinking that somebody didn't get the message. You know? so. yeah. Well, in my opinion, a lot of it comes down to training, um, you know, training and making sure you're finding the right fit for your community. So nationally, there is a huge recruitment and retention issue that is, that is going across, uh, across the profession. So, you know, some agencies are down 500,000 people, so they need to fill those buys and fill those roles. And when budgets are being cut, one of the first things to typically go is going to be training. So in a time where we need to have our officers better trained to handle the myriad of problems that we're being asked to handle these days, those training budgets nationally are being slashed. Um, you know, here in Telluride, we do have a very generous training budget, and it's been very supported by our by our town and our community. So we take advantage of that, and we try to send our officers to as much training as they can. Um, to be able to provide the highest level of service for our community, but exposing them to those different trainings and, and different agencies really helps them be a better officer and better serve our community back here in Telluride. Um, I do just want to make one clarification since I had a chance to speak. So the officer did, or the previous caller did call out uh, Deputy Markwell. So I'll say like he was a, he last worked at Tire Marshall's office. He did a great job for us and we were excited to see him go when he left. So I just want to set the record straight on that. Yeah, I, I don't know if that was a criticism uh, of him or not. I, I couldn't. I, I, I couldn't tell. I just yeah. wanted to be clear that he was we were we, we were sad uh, to see him go i was really really upset with you when, when you hired mark <laughs> away from us so yeah, well, and yeah. The, sheriff you hired him away from <laughs> me so there we go <laughs> 
Chief Rada, did you have anything you wanted to add outside of that? No, I, I think the only other thing to, to Bill's point, um, I, I have been very fortunate, and I, I think Josh would say the same thing, that, that our, our governing board, our town councils are very supportive of our agencies um, and, and give us the budget and the latitude to be able to train and, and do the things that, that we we need to do to make our ourselves better, to be better for our community. So, so and, and I think that kind of helps when it starts at the top with the, the town councils and the town manager support of the agency. I think that makes a big difference for us and, and for all of our officers, too. Yeah. You know, just one thing more on, on that is one of the most difficult things, I, I frustrating things that I have is that we send our recruits off to the, once again, law enforcement, not peace officers academy, but law, law enforcement academies uh, that are scattered around the state, or we hire people that have graduated from them. And because we're small agencies, we really can't, um, we can't go and um, uh, have a huge amount of influence on, on the manner in which those people are being taught. And that's done by the state post board, the Peace Officer Standard and Training. And once again, they look at it really more in a city environment than they do for our small, smaller communities. And so, and we also have the state legislature that funds the state post board, and they're the ones who are telling, telling peacekeepers now how to perform their job. You know, and now we have. We have body cameras, which I, I find incredibly Orwellian. I, I'm not going to invite a peace officer into my house when he's filming. And, I, and who, who th that's just an incred incredible invasion of a of, uh, person's privacy. Yet we're required by law now to record everybody that we contact or if they contact us. And, and, and think how, how much that stifles communication in a small community. And I, I don't. I, and the legislature thinks they're solving these these problems by passing laws that require this kind of stuff. And and uh, um, I, I think it's a mistake to put that on to small communities. That's that's our decision to make as as head of peacekeeping agencies on, on what we should do to make it work well in our communities. And then and then in turn, we should be held accountable for when when it goes bad. So. Yeah, Coto uh, listeners, you're tuned into Off the Record. We're talking with Mountain Village Police Chief Chris Brady, San Miguel County Sheriff Bill Masters, and Telluride Chief Marshal Josh Compt. If you have a question or comment, please give us a call nine seven zero seven two eight four three three three. Chief Compt, you have mentioned training. You mentioned that you had a active shooter training last year, and I know there's a reunification training that's happening or workshop that's happening this week um, with the school district. So kind of tag teaming on, I'd love to hear a little bit more about when you hold these trainings, whether they're for your individual departments or as a multi-agency um, response, just kind of what those look like, what those what those are like for, for your officers. And then also thinking of School. School is coming up starting next week. And I know that the Telliard School District has also had swatting calls and the like over the past school year and kind of and how you think about that as we're heading back into the school year. Sure. I mean we're constantly training on that. So last I don't remember what it was, maybe last December. Yeah, last December we had an outside company come in and hosted two days of training for um, all the agencies in this room. So the San Miguel Sheriff's or at Marshalls, um, Mount Village all had two days of, of critical or critical incident response um, and then we continued on that training with working with our fire department on the next steps after an incident's happened how do we get them to our victims and get our victims out um, our agencies have continued to work together during during the off season as often as we can you know just just kind of building on those fundamentals um, we have a really good relationship here with the Tyra school district so we've been in a lot of communication with with their staff um, having our SRO on the campus there has been a huge um, has had a positive impact in my opinion so having deputy moody on scene like he's able to coordinate a lot of things he can provide first-hand info like should an incident ever occur but he's also been great at facilitating training and looking at what the needs of the school are and how to address those needs um, we've been working with shannon armstrong the emergency manager for san Miguel county as well she's been helping kind of create and facilitate those those tabletop trainings um, 
which has brought everybody in the room and just kind of start working through a scenario and what everyone's assigned role and responsibility is. So, you know, the more we can keep practicing those and kind of get those those mental reps and eventually start working through those reps that, you know, heaven forbid it actually happen, we're going to be well prepared to handle those handle that incident. So the, the tabletop or the incident that's coming up is uh, – I want to say it's a hazmat situation that they're they're working on, but it's going to focus a lot more on the reunification. So we've had this incident occur. Now what's the next step on How do we get those kids reunited with the parents and so forth? And, and kind of like we've been talking about, any any larger, major critical incident is always going to involve all three agencies. Um, and, and so that's where it's really important that we all train and respond together, you know, and... and and just work together and know how each other's going to react to different things. Um, and I, I think our three agencies are amazingly well-oiled right now in that area. Um, I had another thought, and I just lost it. It'll come back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think uh, as far as uh, our schools go, yeah, we're, uh, we have a SRO in Norwood as well. Mm -hmm. And um, that's thanks to... Uh, school resource officer. Yeah, for yeah, I, sorry, pardon, I realized, sorry. like, yeah, I know what that is. Yeah, yeah school, <laughs> our school resource officer. And that's thanks to, to the Norwood uh, School District and the, um, the town of Norwood for helping fund those, that position. And um, I, I find that really valuable. But on top of that, we could go a little bit further. Um, I think half of both your staffs uh, live in, in, uh, in uh, Norwood. And so we should be training with them as well, because if something did happen, uh, the chance of being such a small town, they would quickly hear about it and and come and help. So we we have some ground to to, to work on a little bit in uh, in uh, Norwood to make sure that everybody's uh, uh, on board with that and, uh, and understands what what, uh, what been through the school, understand what it looks like. How to get get through the different uh, security measures they have in place there, et cetera. So, yeah. So my my fleeting thought was to go back to that. Um, I'm really excited for this tabletop exercise on on Friday with the schools because one thing we tend to do is we tend to train a lot and we know exactly what we're doing. And especially in the school environment or a large hotel environment or something like that, the the people and the staff who are there haven't had that opportunity. So I think that's really valuable for for the teachers and at some point maybe some of the students at least to, to have a good idea of what's going to happen in those type of situations. Um, we spent a lot of time with Mountain Village with, with the town staff and other HR staff of just trying to start that conversation of what does that critical incident look like for other responses other than just a school response. Um, unfortunately, there's a lot of business active shooter situations and things like that. And, and I think it, it does come down to what the sheriff has said a lot of times is, is that person thinking about where they're at, what their space is, and what, what are they capable or willing to do. And I think the more, the more we can help train our communities, the more we can help them with what it's going to look like for us and for them in that situation. Way to tee up my next question. <laughs> um, it seems like all of your agencies over the past several years have put a lot more um, emphasis on really getting out into the community and getting to know, um, as you mentioned, the businesses, residents, visitors, whatever that might be. Um, can you talk a little bit about, A, what y'all have, have been doing and, and how... Like, how do you want the community to be involved in the work that you do, recognizing that potentially, right, there might be situations that are dangerous that you maybe very much don't want just someone who's not trained to be in that situation? So for the, I mean, community programs, I mean, obviously foot patrols is a huge part of, of our marshals day. I mean, we really try to encourage everyone to try to get out there at least once or twice and and do foot patrols down down Main Street through Town Park, wherever it is. Um, you know, we, we try to work with our, our community partners as best we can. We've partnered with, you know, Communities at Care, CTC, for probably almost two years now, handling, you know, holding events for high school students on Thursday or Friday nights to try to give them a different outlet or something else fun to do. Um, we've partnered with Tri-County Health and holding coffee with a cop um, once a month, and all of our agencies are involved in that, um, you know, with reaching out to our, our Hispanic immigrant population. Um, you know, we've we've held women's self-defense courses. We've tried putting on a uh, community academy that failed, but we'll try that again maybe in next fall. 
Um, so we're, we're constantly trying to find new programs and new ideas that can help engage the community in a different way and kind of give insight to who we are as people, not just as, you know, as marshals, but, um, you know, who we are and, and try to build those relationships in a, you know, non-confrontational way. Um, so, you know, again, foot patrols really helps that being seen. A big thing we want to be is approachable. Um, you know, we really want people to feel comfortable coming up to us um, and, and letting us know when there are problems. We understand that it is a small community and a lot of people don't want to share with us information that they may know about their neighbor for, you know, fear of running into them in, in the grocery store or kids play on the same soccer team together. So I understand that and that is coming from a bigger city to a smaller city, that is uniquely a smaller city issue, it seems like. Um, but we want people to feel comfortable coming to us and, and letting us know when there is an issue. And that kind of comes back to that whole community policing thing is, you know, we can't necessarily do our job if we don't know there's a problem. So we have to have that trust and that relationship with our community that they feel comfortable coming to us when there is an issue um, and that we're going to handle it appropriately when they do. Yeah, I think one thing to, to build on that you said that we we engaged more of this in the community the last couple of years and some of that unfortunately has been a matter of just being so short-staffed um, I, I was 50% down for several months so I had well it's actually more than 50% I had four officers out of nine sworn uh, allowed positions and, and I think some of that I think some of our community sometimes gets frustrated when they don't see us and it, whether it's short-staffed or if we do have that big incident um, you know just as an example of a DUI arrest could take an officer off the street for probably at least four to five hours to complete that whole process. And when you only have one officer, then you're not going to see him on the streets or in the core and, and doing those things. So so fortunately, and, and I don't want to jinx myself, I currently have no openings. Um, I'm not going to say that the other way around, but I've, I've got a great team. And, and, but, and but we're we'll both recruiting. Some, we'll send you some apps. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and, and, and they're not allowed to talk to either other agencies about that. But, um, but yeah, I, I think we're, we're out and about in our community a lot more. And and I think that's one thing that, that you said that I think gets to be really difficult just in a normal routine call or if we do get into a critical incident. And we've talked a lot about this, um, that, that we're there to stop the incident and solve that problem. And, and unfortunately, we're going to probably have to go by our neighbors and friends and probably even some loved ones to solve that problem. Um, and, and that's a huge strain on our officers, and that's one of the things that we train for is that, you know, that there, there's moments when we do have to go into that other role that, that we need to react to, and we probably can't be the officer-friendly that we really like to be the rest of the time. So, Yeah, I, I think um, I, we're really talking about intelligence. Do you, do you, are you gathering information from your community that you can go and use in some way to help help the community and we, we've uh do you need to answer that yeah, yeah let's right, answer it ahead. we'll see right, what this person does and we'll finish all right we have another caller hi you're live on Kodo. well hello hello this uh is just a question for all three entities and uh we have the uh new thing happening in town and i'm sure everybody up there has talked about it is the e-bikes and we have e-bikes now that uh, have been coming quite prevalent. We have young children, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old on these 25, 30 mile an hour bikes racing in town. And what the thoughts that they have on any kind of control over what happens, uh, say, between Boomerang Road up to the Mountain Village or whatever? Is there been any thought and consideration on what is the future for e-bikes in, in the town. Perfect. Thanks for yeah. your question. Thank you. Thoughts on e-bikes? I'm a pretty, pretty big e-biker. You know, I got a bit with two bad knees. It's It's been a big game changer for me to be able to ride my bike to the top of Black Bear for lunch. And, and uh, you know, it, 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 it's a... Uh, it certainly has opened up a, a lot, and I also have a have a town bike that I used to. I rode it to the to the KOTO tonight. Um, it's just so much easier to get around town, park, all that kind of stuff. And I probably go too fast on it at times. I, it is concerning to to see young children with no helmets. Um, I should probably wear a helmet to be an example, um, and uh, and going so fast. And I, I wonder if, if if the parents have thought about this. So maybe we need some education. Uh, I, I'm, um, you know, we can always pass more laws, I guess, and and, and try to regulate them. But uh, I, I think if we could um, educate the parents a little bit more that protective equipment 
on a um, really what it turns out to be a motorcycle uh, that's doing 25 miles an hour uh, is probably pretty important. And um, uh, I, I think there's, um, you, if you talk to a um, emergency room doctor and, and have them explain the injuries that they might see when someone's wearing shorts and sandals and um, crashes their, their e-bike going 25 miles an hour, it's going to be, a, uh, you know, you're going to have a lot of road, road rash and conceivably even um, uh, terrible orthopedic injuries to their uh, to their hands and feet, etc. So it's it's a danger, and, and um, maybe we should have a discussion with the with the community about it and see what uh, what solutions we can come up with. And I know that Telluride has hosted several bike rodeos that the Marshals Department was involved in to try and help with some of that mm-hmm. um, education. Yeah, we try to take an education first approach. We have written um, a handful of citations for for various violations on on the e-bike, and honestly, I want to just limit it to kids. Everyone likes to point the fingers and say that it is a kid speeding around, but I see just as many adults blowing through stop signs, riding recklessly, and weaving out of traffic. So, um, it's it's not just the kids. Um, so, I'd agree with Sheriff Masters there. They go pretty quick. We have had have had some pretty horrific incidents and injuries from them, um, and it's. Uh, it's definitely on our radar and things that we are trying to actively enforce. Are there any um, rules or, I guess, laws that folks maybe really don't think about on an e-bike that are, like, very clear that you really should be thinking about? I, I, I think I'd just say the, the biggest bike rule is if you're on the road, you follow the road or the rules of the road, whatever those are. Um, and in the Chief Comp's point, I, I have seen, I mean, the stop signs, the, the one that really is, is scary for me is that bicyclists are e-bikes that don't yield to pedestrians in a crosswalk. Um, if you're going down the road, the, the pedestrian still has a right of way in that crosswalk. And, and then for in Mountain Village, I mean, obviously we don't have that, that much of the pedestrian crosswalks, but we have the, the hiking-biking trail interface. And, and I, I agree with the caller. I think that the e-bikes need to have some more responsibility. Um, and, and I would encourage everybody to achieve comms point, not just the kids, but a uh, helmet strapped to your handlebars will not protect your head. So Definitely. Um, we are rapidly nearing the end of our hour, which always goes so quickly. And so I have a rapid fire round for y'all. I'm blaming <laughs> Moody and Hill on this one. I know they're up to it. <laughs> they actually, I will tell you, did not give me any good questions for No, this. but I feel like they planned to see for the rapid fire questions. No. They've been talking about it all day. Do, do not give them credit. This is Perfect. all me. All right. <laughs> um, if you were a music genre, what would you be? We did workshop with that with them. <laughs> Country. Okay. I don't know what's playing. I, I, Whatever I, you I, want I, it to it, be. Yeah, exactly. I, I, and I, <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm one of those guys that likes almost all kinds of music. So I, I, I can't. Okay. I don't know what I would be. Fair enough. Yeah, I like a lot, but I grew up in San Diego in the late 90s, so probably punk and pop punk. All right. Um, if you had one more hour in the day, what would you do with it? We're going to go the other way. Chief Comp, you're first. Oh, man. I don't think we ever have an extra hour in a day. Everything's pretty much accounted for. Um, no, that's why you get an extra one. Yeah, you know what? I think uh, I would probably try to spend time with the family. I think oftentimes we get wrapped up in the job, and it's always, you know, especially now being short staff, we're always trying to fill in and help out where we can, and that's all. the family is always the first thing to kind of suffer the loss. So just probably spend an extra hour with them. Exercise. Yeah, I'd get out, get out and hike, do something away from the office, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, what is something you wish that people knew about y'all's job that you think they really don't understand? We're going to go to Sheriff Masters first. What they don't... That they don't understand. You wish Something you wish everybody, the community knew about your work that they don't. Yeah, I... I t- yeah, we really care. I, I really care, and I, I know my colleagues here really care too. And I'm not sure they get that. You know, so. Chief Brady. Yeah, I, I, see, that's, I was going to say the same thing that we we care about the victims, we care about the suspects. Um, they are our community members, and we really are here to try and be fair and helpful. 
I'll echo on that. I think just the dedication that it takes to be in this profession. I mean, I think it's often overlooked that people are going to pick up the phone, call 911, and someone from our agency is going to show up. But that means that our officers are working nights, weekends, holidays. They're giving up, you know, big family events, birthdays, you know, going out with friends to, to be here to serve our community. And I think sometimes that can get taken for granted that, you know, we're humans too, that we have families and lives, but are, you know, we're also here to serve our community. Yeah. Final one recognizing you might not be able to talk about everything you've seen on the job. Um, what is like, a, what is the silliest, quirkiest, funniest, um, maybe anecdote or experience you've had while in your job? I'll let you all think about it for a second and then whoever wants to go first. Is this a mixed audience? Or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's, that, that's a really good question. Um, Man, being put on a spot right now, it's like trying to go back to the Rolodex. Yeah, I'm like trying to think. Yeah. I mean, it's that's the one thing with this job is like you can't make the stuff up with what you see, right? And that's kind of when you, you go to dinner with people and they find out what you as profession, they always want a story. And it's the story, you know, it's it's on TV shows or anything else, and it's kind of what we see a lot. So you kind of get used to it. But there's – you see the good, you see the bad. I mean, you see you see things you can't unsee, and, you know, you see the best in humanity as well. So, I mean, it is a great job, but – yeah, to try to think of just one incident right now on the spot, I'm having a hard time. It's unfortunately, it, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to show you all the ones that are coming to my mind would be embarrassing to the person that was involved in it. So I'm, I'm not going to ever, ever rat them off. So, I guess the one that that one of my officers shared with me the other night is that they were out during I think it was a sunset concert, and a younger member of our community came up and asked if we were tougher than Optimus Prime on the Transformers, and we said, absolutely, we definitely are. So, and he accepted that. So. <laughs> um, I guess, okay, final question that I'm going to pose to Chief Compte and Sheriff Masters, recognizing that it seems like you might want to steal some folks from Mountain Village Police. No, they can't do that. <laughs> if you could, who would you want to, who would you want to nap? Without throwing shade at any of the other officers. Who would we want what? Who would you want to um, take from Mountain Village police department for your sheriff deputies i'm gonna steal chief brody oh yeah that's a that's a good good answer um i i you know are they breathing you know i i'm 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 uh, i would be happy with any of those uh any of those uh officers at mountain village uh, to uh to come and work with us all right in our final moment we have one more call hi you're live on Kodo. oh no i've got to reach over here to Turn off the radio. I'm not in the right spot. That is tough. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think uh, Chief Roddy would be a possible excellent replacement for uh, 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 Sheriff Masters when he does retire. I do have one additional question for. Um, it's it's uh, going to be a few more years. If I may. <laughs> uh, I do have one additional question for Marshall Comp, if I may. Sure. Um, uh, you formerly served in uh, Newport Beach. That's Orange County. It's also uh, home to the Balboa um, Golf Club, which is the Telluride Golf Club Chuck Horning, uh, his home course, uh, probably Chad as well. Um, there was an interesting incident in a neighboring community um, in 2012 while you were working in uh, Newport. This was in Costa Mesa. And it involved the police union um, setting up um, uh, Democratic members of the Costa Mesa Community Council with a private detective, a former officer hired by the police union to set up those uh, reform-minded Democrats in Republican Orange County for a DUI. It was a felony plea in... 2016 for that 2012 incident. And I was just uh, wondering if uh, uh, Marshall Compte was aware of that and if he had any um, uh, uh, observations on that particular incident of the Republicans of Orange County uh, manipulating Democratic politics, which is an ongoing battle. Anyway, thank you. Thanks for your question. Um, I vaguely remember that. As you mentioned, that was in a neighboring city having to do with a completely different department and union. I had my hands full in Newport, and I don't think I was paying too much attention to what other agencies were doing. So, unfortunately, I don't have much more of an answer for you than that. 
before we take off for the evening, um, someone before earlier today asked um, a question that we kind of touched on earlier, but wondering, you know, what kind of actions can members of the community take if they are um, come upon a situation or there is a situation happening around them that maybe they want to help de-escalate the situation themselves or whatever that might be, um, want to take action, want to take steps to help a situation maybe instead of calling law enforcement before y'all show up. And if you have any thoughts on, on what that might look like for members of our community. Uh, I'll go. I mean, I would always just recommend them not intervening and calling calling um, authorities when they can. I mean, we're the ones that have the training. We can get there quickly. We don't want to add additional victims to it or have anyone from our communities put themselves in a situation that's going to cause them hurt. Um, if anything, be a good witness. You know, take get a good description of what happened. Re record it on your cell phone. You know, do something else that can be a good witness to us on the end. Um, you know, we do want to hear about those those incidents. Like I, like I kind of touched on it before. Like a lot of times, we're often the last to know about something happening. People just don't want to come forward with it. Um, you know, we have a saying we like to. I beat in over and over again. It's like what you don't condemn, you condone. So as a community, if we're not going to come forward and say, like, hey, we can't allow this to happen, then we're also saying, okay, we're okay with this happening. Um, so those issues need to be brought to our attention so we can we can do our job. And, and I would agree. I think one of the biggest helps that we could get is, is to not get generalized reports of this has happened in the last six months, but to actually get that actual incident and actual time and place so that we can respond and, and, and try and help with that situation. Um, to, to hear things later that did happen or didn't happen, it makes it very hard for us to engage and help. So, and, and yeah, I mean, the, the other incidents, you know, if it's a traffic crash or something like that on the highways, um, be mindful where you're at, try and get off the roads. They're usually going to be slick roads, so just, just be careful and mind your own safety would be my biggest thing. So. You know, uh, San Miguel County is 1,280 square miles. Uh, it takes takes me two hours driving code to get from one end to the other. And so we do rely on citizens, especially in our west end, to uh, at times they, they, uh, they're they um, handling uh, some incidents that are out there. And we really encourage them not to. We are hiring a, a uh, uh, we have a young man uh, in the academy right now that will be a resident deputy in the in our West End, and, and we hope that'll help to a degree. But it, it might take a long time for us to uh, to get there. And I, I remember the Placerville Fire Department used to have the old mo motto, same day service, because the area was so large and, and, and they had so few staff and, and equipment at the time. Now it's changed a lot. But I, I think the, um, uh, we, we kind of, I think of the same way, that sometimes people are going to have to uh, either protect themselves or um, protect other people. Uh, it, it, they're taking a big risk in doing that. Um, you know, peace officers are now held personally liable for their actions. A big change in the law in, in Colorado to make us personally responsible. A citizen would certainly be personally responsible as well for any action they might take at a scene, no matter what it might be, if, if that action ended up causing someone some harm. So they need to be very careful of that, but I also understand and appreciate that, that um, we're not going to get there quickly. We have minutes left. Um, so I would love to hear from any of you any final thoughts, closing thoughts to leave our listeners with this evening before we take off. I think I, I just start by by thanking our community for their continued support. Um, overall, I feel like our community is really is behind all of our agencies and, and appreciate what we do. And um, like I said before, our elected officials and our community members are very supportive of all of my staff. So. I would say the same thing. We can't uh, do our job without the community. Um, once again, especially the size of our county, the chance of us coming across a crime in progress is really remote, you know, someone breaking into a house. If we don't hear from, from the community about what's happening, what they're hearing, what crime problems they see, um, we're not going to solve anything. Ever. Every serious crime that we've ever dealt with has been solved by someone picking up a phone and calling us and, and telling us what they know. 
And I just echo what they said. I think, yeah, just we're very thankful for the support that we get from, you know, the, the title and tell you right from the top down, the community members. Um, I mean, it's great when we get to walk the street and we say hey, hi to everybody and everyone's friendly and engaging with us. I mean, it, you know, we we'll get compliments. You know, every chief up here and sheriff will get emails and phone calls complimenting our officers. And that little statement goes such a long ways for our officers' morale and knowing that they're appreciating for them. Just sometimes a little email, hey, I came across Rosser, he did a great job. Just want to thank him for that. Like it goes a long way of boosting morale. So um, we get that quite a bit from from our community here, and I just want to say thank you for that. Perfect. Well. Thank you all for being here this evening, Chief Brody, Sheriff Masters, and Chief Comp. Thank you for joining, and thanks to all of our listeners, especially those who called in. And we'll be back next Tuesday with an in another installment of Off the Record. Thank you all for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Off the Record. Opinions expressed on this show are those of our guests. Join us again next week for another installment. And in the meantime, drop us a line at news at koto.org with feedback and ideas. Oh,